Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. <gasps> Yes! 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 What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 136 for Thursday, April 19th, 2012. The intro music you just heard was Daniel Bryan's intro music, Ride of the Valkyries. You can find it on iTunes, YouTube, and any other place where you get your music from. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. The feedback line, if you want to leave any questions comments and you want them played on air three four seven eight one five zero six eight seven three four seven eight one five zero m t r all right we got a lot to discuss this week we got last weekend's ultimate fighter we got this weekend's ultimate fighter event well not the ultimate fighter um jones and Evans, and we also are going to talk about the Ultimate Fighter. I did not watch the one for Brazil. I'm a little behind, so I'm not going to be talking about that this week. Ben is going to be joining us. We're going to break down the Jones-Evans card a little bit. We're going to talk about TNA this week. Yes, I'm going to decide to dig into the cobwebs of my soul to talk about the shit that is TNA Impact Wrestling. We're also going to discuss Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk a little bit about the lockdown pay-per-view we got your movie news we got some game news business as usual folks all right obviously you tuned in and you heard the pre-roll for stitcher just a quick reminder if you want to get live um not live episodes excuse me uh 96k streaming episodes of mtr you can use the stitcher app head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take Enter the my take promo code. You'll be entered. Well, you'll be eligible to win a hundred dollars. You won't be entered to win it. You'll be eligible to win one hundred bucks, courtesy of Stitcher and My Take Radio. If not, you can always get the MTR app. It's a dollar ninety nine. You can get it from the Amazon Marketplace and also from iTunes for iOS devices. It's a dollar ninety nine, cheaper than a kid's Happy Meal. You'll be able to get ninety six k stereo episodes of MTR. You'll also be able to get. Some of our exclusive content, MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic, 
the Minority Film Report, and a couple of other new things that we are working on. I'm also proud to announce that we are officially part of the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, a great, very supportive group that has been assisting me as we are preparing to make the transition to video. Yes, it is going to happen. I actually got my capture card this week, so be on the lookout for some stuff on YouTube. Maybe this weekend we'll capture some stuff, throw it up there once I pick up a hard drive. I did not get the... Hophog HD PVR. I was going to get it, but I realized I have no fucking time to be streaming shit. And I sincerely doubt that anybody's going to sit in front of their computer to watch me play a game. I know there's a market for that. It's just not my thing, but we're going to use it to capture video. We're going to have some of our famous commentaries on there. Just a little mystery science theater steez to it. Uh, We're probably going to capture some movie stuff as well. Nothing too crazy. Share some comments with regards to that. And we're going to try and just do that over the next couple of days. I'm going to be getting with Slick as well, so he can make uh, some adjustments. We are going to be reviewing the Deadliest Warrior game that we got courtesy of Reverb. Slick is going to be doing the honors of that, as will I. So be on the lookout for that later on this weekend and early next week from both of us. Also, had the pleasure of attending the AT&T event today with our friends from the GFQ Network, Andrew Zarian, who was a guest on MTR Behind the Mic not too long ago, was kind enough, was kind enough to invite us. So I got to check out some of the great stuff that AT&T is putting out. And I do shit on AT&T for a lot of reasons. I, 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 you know, I stand by that. There are a lot of things I don't like about their business model, but I have to admit that they got a lot of creative minds in there. There's a lot of awesome stuff we got to see, including a um, haptic feedback steering wheel which you're probably saying to yourself, why do I need my steering wheel to vibrate? It's completely stupid. But if you tie that into safety protocols, things to prevent people from falling asleep while driving, I think it's a pretty piece of innovative technology. We also uh, got to see SMS text messages that are sent based on location, which are little hit and miss. I'll be writing about that. And we're also going to be writing about the connected home, the RFID tags you'll be able to put on your stuff to keep track of it which is going to be implemented in vehicles. And we got to take a tour inside AT&T. So we got to see all the AT&T hardware that powers everybody's cellular phones in the New York area. Uh, Think of it this way. If I decided to spill a cup of water on a piece of equipment in there, New York City would have no cell phone service. That's how serious that shit is. But the transition from 2G to LTE is something incredible to see only because you had thousands and thousands and thousands of giant, giant switches. Now you got little ass switches that pretty much cover the entire city. Uh, A lot of techie shit that some of you may not give a fuck about, but I'm a nerd for that stuff. So it was a cool experience. Shout out to the GFQ network, Andrew Zarian for hooking us up. And we're going to be doing some stuff with them in the near future with the GFQ network. So be on the lookout for that as well. I've been doing some stuff for IAIB including a walkthrough of some of the gear we use on MTR. You can check out those videos on My Take Radio TV. Get glue check-ins as always. Please continue to check in, even though they refuse to give us an MTR sticker. I I like seeing the get glue check-ins. It's nice. It shows people are supporting the show. And um, who knows? Maybe one day they'll give us a call and say, hey, we want to make a sticker that says, you know, Black Rage and just have a black circle with two eyes on it. Who knows? We'll see what happens. 
I got a couple of people asking me, when are we going to start bringing guests back? That is going to be happening probably within the next couple of weeks. I got some stuff working with IMDb and a couple of other places. So we're going to see some some movie actors. We're going to see some television actors and actresses and hopefully some wrestlers and some fighters. The only reason I haven't gone too crazy uh, getting fighters is because I like finding UFC, well, MMA fighters that share a lot of our interests. It makes the show just better to work with. So those of you that are asking me about um, UFC fighters, please know that the only reason I haven't done UFC or other organization fighters is because I just try to find fighters that complement what the show is about. I mean, I don't want to bring a regular fighter on and ask them, how's training going? How's your home life? What are the tools you're going to need to defeat this guy? You know, typical cookie cutter garbage you hear in every other interview. I refuse to do that. I want to ask a fighter, hey, you know, what games do you play before uh, a fight when you got to mellow out? Or, you know, what kind of comics are you reading? What kind of gadgets do you, do you take with you to training camp or on the road? Shit like that. Nobody wants to hear the same tired ass questions. So that's why we're, we haven't done anything with fighters as of late. Also... We are going to be doing some stuff with Blog World. Blog World is very big for us here in New York City. June 5th, 6th, and 7th at the Javits. We're going to do some shit there. Um, maybe, just maybe, we may do a live MTR broadcast from Blog World at the uh, behest of our friends at the, GSQ, uh, the GFQ Network. We'll see what the deal is with that. A little nerve-wracking, obviously, because they do a lot of stuff on video. I am not comfortable in front of a camera. Regardless of how many hours of radio I give you guys, I just don't like it. Simple as that. Slick just informed me that Ben is on the line, so we will be bringing him on shortly to discuss some of the stuff going on this weekend, including, like I said, Evans and Jones. I also want to talk to him about Bellator a little bit and um, Alistair Overeem. So with that, let's get into this week's MMA stuff because... There's actually quite a bit to cover, and I don't want to fuck anything up, so let's hop to it. Rather than go and recap the entire MMA segment and all the typical shit that we do this week, I'm going to bring Ben on. We're going to talk about the fights, but we're going to just talk a little shop about some of the stuff that's in the news this week, and it'll just help the MMA segment go a little a little smoother than usual. I think uh, Ben is always fun to have on, so let's bring him in and bang this out. Ben, what's going on, brother? Not much, man. What's up? All right. Um, you know, we got a lot of MMA. We got a lot of crazy shit going on. But um, before we get into it, I actually wanted to ask about your thoughts on the Bellator event last Friday. And oh, fucking Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I think Iop like hill hooked them last time they fought. Uh, I'll be really interested to see if uh, Eddie Alvarez can keep Ioki off him because uh, Ioki's basically all Ioki is good for is submissions. And he's extremely good at him and gets them the vast majority of the time. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see if he can stop stop him from getting those submissions um, and put hands on him. Uh, as far as the uh, 155ers go, I'm, I'm, I really want to see if Rick Hahn can keep it up at uh, 155. He was, he was a beast at uh, 170. I was surprised he could even make 155, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see if he can keep it up at one, um, 155 against Lloyd Woodard. And, um, and you also got uh, 
Wow, I cannot pronounce that game's guy's name. <laughs> Vasilev Zelowski. Oh, okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't. The double V guy, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, versus Mikael Falco. That's going to be a good fight because uh, Falco always brings in. Um, it's going to be some pretty good fights. Brian Rogers against Andres Spang. It's going to be some pretty good fights on there. Yeah, it was funny. I had got an email to have Andrea Spang on. I just didn't get a chance to reach out to his publicist because um, he's actually being sponsored by a company here from New York called Future Legend. So it would have been good to have him on. It's just, you know, the publicist fall through the cracks. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you yeah. feel about the uh, bantamweight title bout from last, from last Friday with uh, Zach Makovsky and, and Eduardo Dantes? I was very shocked that Makovsky would give that out so quickly. You know, he got the belt. It almost felt like he got the belt yesterday, and he lost it. I really wasn't that surprised that uh, Dudu Dantes was able to uh, to tackle. Uh, Dantes is is a beast. I don't, like, while while I don't think he'd beat you know Dominic Cruz or Uriah Faber or even Hannah Barrow, I think he would do really good in UFC. And that Mikowski is a good fighter, but he's not he's not an elite fighter. I think he was more a product of that being the first tournament. And uh, he's a good fighter, but he, he, he's been tapped before. Like, his losses, most of his losses have come by submission. So I wasn't really shocked that uh, Eduardo Dantes was able to tackle. Uh, what shocked me was how good Eduardo Dantes was on the feet. I mean, I had seen his other fights, and he was really good on the feet, but he just looked really crisp, um, got him with some really good body kicks, and was able to tackle pretty easily. I was, I was pleasantly surprised that Dantes engaged so well, just because of Makovsky's wrestling background, but... Taking into account what you said, I was, I was just taken aback by the fact, like I said, that it just felt that he won the belt yesterday, and he couldn't hold on to it. I mean, no, no disrespect to Dantas, he went in there and handled his business, took the belt um, forcefully. It wasn't no decision, no bullshit. But I just think that the tournament format expo- it exposes a lot of fighters in the sense that they fight so many fights leading up to it that by the time they get into a championship fight, all that tape about them is out there already. Yeah. Like, also, so recent. It doesn't help that Zach Mikowski, I think since he's won the belt, has fought once. And he won, he won the belt last year? Yeah, I believe last year, yeah. late last year. Yeah, late last year. Yeah, late last year. And he's fought, he's fought twice, but his, what Bellator likes to do is give their fighters basically nobody's to fight. Uh, they're super fights, which aren't really super fights, to kind of squash matches um, for the champions. And when, when you're doing that, you don't get the opportunity to, to get better because you're fighting inferior guys that Bellator is fighting for you to fight. And I think that's, I think those kind of things kind of hurt some of their champions because you don't, like, arm sharpens arm. And if you're fighting the best fighters in the world, you're going to get better. And when you're not, you're, you kind of get complacent. I think that's what happens to some of their champions. Well, do you feel that's going to be something that's going to affect a guy like Hector Lombard, which, you know, everybody's talking about going to the UFC now? I... There's a difference between Hector Lombard and um, Zach Mikowski or, or Ben Askren or um, a Cole, Conrad, Cole, Cole Conrad is. Hector Lombard, even before he got to Bellator, was already on the UFC's radar. Yep. If he... He was going to be in UFC, I think, 70, I believe. And instead of defecting to America from Cuba, he decided to defect to Australia for some reason. 
and that's why he didn't come to the UFC. So he was already going to be in the UFC. He was already a UFC caliber fighter. I don't think he, the way he got rid of people that weren't supposed to be in the cage with him showed how good he was. Like, if you weren't supposed to be in the cage with Hector Lombard, he damn near killed you. Like, <laughs> that's just basically, it, it, there was a difference between the way he handled it and the way someone like Ben Askren, who's going to just take you down and lay on you, no matter who you are. Like, Hector Lombard just got you out of there in a couple of seconds. And that's what you, that's how, I, I don't know if he'll be a UFC uh, middleweight champion or anything like that, but I think he'll do better in the UFC than a lot of their champions would. Well, that that was the whole thing that concerned me. You take you have a product like Hector Lombard, who is exciting to watch, has an incredible win streak going. He's a personable, marketable guy. You can reach the Latino audience, and the the amount of time, the layoffs between fights, just felt like forever. Yeah, it, it was weird to me because I mean, one of the things, the one of the reasons Bellator is even called Bellator because originally it was supposed to be for Latinos. It was supposed. It was on ESPN Deportes. It was. It. It was. It was geared towards that demographic, and to have a champion that is Latino, and really not give him what I think three fights in Bellator outside of the tournament, it was. A, it was a waste of a talent to me. And I mean, Bellator. As much as I enjoy the fights, I like the tournament format. Some way, their business model, like the article I wrote. Uh, a while back, their business model is needs to be changed. You can't you can't run an MMA company strictly on tournaments because things happen. Somebody can get hurt, the champion gets hurt. Now you got a tournament winner having to wait forever. Or in the case of uh, Andre Slamenko, uh, um, Alexander Slamenko, excuse me, he was supposed to fight Hector Lombard. Hector Lombard isn't even in the company anymore. So now who does Alexander Slamenko fight? And he's hurt because he just recently got in a car crash. So now you have this whole jumbled up mess at the top of the middleweight division because of your tournament format. That is true. I think I think they really need to have the tournaments, but also have you know ancillary fights to go with it. And like you were saying, not these quote unquote super fights, but just regular exciting fights. You know, guys like yeah. guys like Ben Saunders couldn't can fight on some cards. You know, they got a couple of good guys in there that they can just fight on some cards, and, and even if it's just for, for ranking purposes. Yeah, like, if, if you want to do a tournament, I wouldn't even mind if they did the tournament, but they did fights in between, and it was for seed, for seeding for the tournament. That's like a, that's if, a great if, idea. Yeah, like, if, if you're going to do the tournament, like, do in-between fights, and it's just for seeding. Just, you know, the number one, you know, you 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 lose, but you're, you're not an AC. You know what I mean? Like, something like that. Don't, because they do have the ancillary fights that are random, like, just to keep guys busy because they need a paycheck, but they mean nothing, and then they put these guys that they know. Like, Ben Saunders is why he's been in the Bellator. Not only has he been in the tournament, but he's fought, like, a couple, basically, squash matches. And, I don't know, Bellator, it, to me, it's a waste of money if you sign a fighter just to get beat up by another fighter. That's just a complete waste of money to me, and they do this often. And, I don't know, it, it's, it's hard for me to see Bellator, and unfortunately, it's I feel like Bellator is going to end up messing themselves up with this weird way they go about doing the tournament and the way they, they set up fights. I just I feel like they're going to end up damaging themselves before they can fix it. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that in Bellator's case that isn't helping them is exactly that. You have this huge talent pool of fights and just not enough airtime for them, which 
Brings me to another thing which I had wanted to ask you. You mentioned Ben Askren a few times. I'm sure you've heard what Dana White said about Ben Askren on Twitter recently. Yeah, I don't like Ben Askren. I have no problem with guys like, I enjoy watching what John Fish does. Me personally, Ben Askren does what people think John Fish does. John Fish looks like freaking John Jones to Ben Askren. Right. Ben Askren has no intention. If, if you watch interviews or, or you hear him talk, he has absolutely no intention of getting better at anything in the ring. He has no intention. And he's an excellent wrestler. But that only will get you really far in Bellator. See, he's fighting fighters like when he just fought Diego Lima. Diego Lima is a good fighter, but Diego Lima is also uh, a pretty young fighter. He's 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 pretty young. Like if you run up against if he runs up against somebody in the UFC, let's say he fights Damian Maia. Damian Maia would tap in after and within a while. I mean, it, it wouldn't even be that. Fast with fight. Tiago Alves would not been asking out. Like he's going up against fighters that he can get away with, lane break, and that's just not good enough. And I agree with Dana White. Like what Ben Askren does, I enjoy watching some of his wrestling. I enjoy watching the way he he's not one of these wrestlers. Like if he gets a shot blocked, he's not reshooting just because he's tired. He's reshooting because he has a second shot because he's good enough at doing that. But the way his MMA game is not developing is terrible to me. Like, just, he does no damage. Oh, the dude just all. wants to get paid. He's using his fighting style to keep getting paychecks. And until somebody humbles him, it's never going to stop. And, and you know, I, I understand. And the whole purpose of mixed martial arts is exactly that. Mixed martial arts, not smother and cover. It's like he wrestles, wrestles, wrestles. He throws no kicks. He throws some punches, but they're setups for for takedowns. And I think that in his particular case, it's just not working the way that he'd like. And I, I respect the fact that he doesn't give a fuck what we think, what the fans think, because he's like, look, man, I get paid to fight. I fight my way and I win. So until somebody can figure me out and whoop my ass, keep giving me those checks. I can't really hate on the dude. I mean, I don't like his approach, like you were saying, about not wanting to evolve his game but you know what if people are aren't smart enough to avoid getting falling into that game plan that's on them yeah i mean the thing is though like most people i think he would be able to even take down like a gsp or some some good wrestlers i mean he's an olympic caliber wrestler i think he'd be able to take down most fighters the thing with him is and until he runs up against, like, a really good fighter, it's not going to um, matter. But right now, the thing with him is he doesn't have to evolve. Right. And I think until he runs up against a fighter that forces him, like, okay, you want to take me down? I'm going to get back up. You want to take me down? I'm going to get right back up. And Daniel Lima, to an extent, was able to do that. But you have to do a bunch with him. I don't know. It's been asking... I, I just, I'm not a fan of his. Like, I have no problem with guys wrestling, but at least make an attempt to evolve your MMA game. Like, he, he's not going to submit you. He's not going to do really any damage. I mean, I mean, sure, getting punched is, getting punched no matter how hard a bunch of times isn't fun, but I doubt Diego Lima really walked away from that fight in any sort of real death, with any real sort of pain. Like, it's just, 
I don't know. I mean, like, for instance, if you compare him to a guy like John Jones, John Jones wants to get you to the ground. The difference between him and John Jones is John Jones wants to hurt you. John Jones wants, like, the thing with John Jones is, like, John Jones has all intention of hurting you. He's not fighting for position. He's not fighting to hold you there. He's no, John Jones is fighting to fuck people up. That's what John Jones is doing. Yeah, like, yeah, John Jones, like, like, I mean, for instance, in the Shogun fight, like, he was trying to hurt Shogun, not just win the fight, hurt him. And damage is a huge part of MMA, and I, I just don't understand how someone I've been asking can more or less just say, uh, fuck damage. I'm not, I have no intention of doing any real damage. I'm just going to lay on you. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, if I, if I wanted to watch wrestling, I'd watch the NCAA tournament, which I do occasionally. But if I wanted to watch wrestling, you know, I'd watch that. I mean, if I wanted to watch purely wrestling, I'd watch that. I, I, I'm not really one of these fans that cry, sit and whine about laying prey, but, like, he, he takes it to a level where even a hardcore fan really can't just, can't get into it. It's, yep. it's, there's no, there's no fight. <laughs> no, you're, you're 100% right. I mean, you know, I wanted to run that by you only because, you know, we could sit here and fucking shit on Ben Askren for two hours, you know, because he just he just sets himself up. But um, I want to move yeah. shit along. Uh, you've been watching The Ultimate yeah. Fighter live, right? Yeah. What'd you think of the uh, the t- the Chris Tickle-Joe Proctor fight? Very impressed with Proctor, man. He came in and he, he wasn't getting paid by the hour for that fight. Yeah, Chris Tickle actually looked good on the feet for a while. Yep. But, um, he, he, I don't know, it, this season, to tell the truth, hasn't really interested me that much. I've been Thank watching God. The of Brazil, just like, <laughs> yeah, the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, they, those dudes in the Ultimate Fighter Brazil are nasty, like they're trying to hurt people, but I don't know, this season, there's something, like you're my favorite Dominic Cruz, I know they don't like each other, but it doesn't, it doesn't really come off that way. It, it comes off as if they are annoyed by each other. Right. More than dislike each other. And it just doesn't come off as, okay, I don't like you. We're going to fight again. Like, it just comes off as, I don't like you. You're a minor annoyance. I don't know. Maybe it's because they don't have... Build up. Like, you know, months of tape. Nope. To, to scour over and, like, you know, edit a certain way. But this, it's just when you got that one week, you have to find that... that that interesting thing for that one week. And also, like, I don't know, the production seems... Yeah, the production cool. seems like shit, man. I was... And, and I don't really understand how it's like that. I mean, they do other cars on FX. I mean, they're doing the prelims tomorrow, um, on Saturday on FX, and I don't understand why the production seems so... I'm glad... Off. I'm glad I'm not alone, man, but I figured I would run that by you. I was I was impressed. Like I said, Tickle, Chris Tickle looked good on the stand-up, but Proctor was nasty. Yeah. Submission was good. Team Cruz isn't doing so good. We got John Kofer and Vink Pinchel tomorrow night, so we'll see where we go with that. Uriah Faber's got, you know, he's uh, he's got a, only a handful of guys left at this point. It feels disjointed and kind of boring. Yeah, I don't know. This shit, this shit is complete uh, bullshit this season. This live format, I think they may have to reevaluate that. Um yeah. The only other thing I wanted to, to ask you about, obviously, was UFC on Fuel TV. A lot of people were shitting on this card. It was a very good card. The only things I want to ask you about were, obviously, Brian Stan, Murder, Death, Killing, Alessio Sakara, and um, yeah. CR the Killer coming in there and emphatically putting Paulo Tiago to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, first of all, I don't understand why anybody would be upset with this card. This was a very good card. Yep. I mean, Demacia Page, um, uh, who do you fight? Uh, Brad Pickett. 
you know, those were good fights. I mean, the Poppy and Betty James head fight. I mean, there were some really good fights on this card. Um, I don't understand why people were upset at this card, but see how about it. See how Sierra. Uh, CR. CR the kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was trying to pronounce his last name. That wasn't working. No, don't do it to yourself. <laughs> uh, I fuck it up kill. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> see how the killer. That was. That was a nasty punch, and, and it's crazy because Paulo Thiago hasn't been tapped, hasn't been knocked out ever, and for him to just get one shot at like that, and while uh, CR was walking backwards, is what's crazy to me. And then the Brian Stan knockout—I mean, the the Brian Stan gets an A in physics because to cup uh, Sakara's head and hit him with those punches, so the force of his punch has nowhere to go but stay in his head. That was beautiful. And it's also crazy, like, he knocked him out and then woke him back up and realized what he did. That was just crazy to me. Yeah, he um, that was controlled aggression from Brian Stan, but I think Stan really needed this coming after coming off of that mauling by Chael. Because, you know, Chael fucking yeah. put him on his ass that fight. So, I mean, it's a great, it's a great yeah. performance for Stan. He needed it, looked good. And uh, Gustafson, yeah. of course, that unanimous decision. Now everybody's talking about Gustafson and Rampage, which would be a complete dog shit fight. I would not watch it. Rampage would get his ass beat. Rampage would get his ass beat. Rampage isn't it? He's not. Rampage has no desire really to fight anyone outside of Shogun anymore. I think Gustafson would hurt Rampage, and I have really no desire to watch Rampage fight anybody but Shogun. Like, yeah, really, that's it. Just it, close it out with that. Yeah, he, he, I don't think Rampage really has any desire to really fight at all outside of Shogun anymore. Uh, the funny thing to me was the whole broadcast, how they were comparing Gustafson to John Jones, Ugh. and they fight nothing alike nope. at all. <laughs> like, I'm listening to the commentary like, what the fuck are y'all doing? <laughs> like, I was confused too. Like, John Jones, like, he doesn't fight anything like John Jones at all. Like, like but... But, and all and and like uh, I think it was um, one of them suggested that uh, I think Goldberg suggested that he fight John Jones next. Gustafson would get you do not need to put at this point in people's careers you do not need to put prospects up against John Jones. Nope. And ruin them for their career. Nope. John Jones would ruin Gustafson. He would have no confidence. It, it, he's not ready for that. And plus, Every, he got tapped by Phil Davis. I'm tired. Like, the, the you know segueing into this weekend's event, which we'll go through now. Yeah. It, the 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 fucking jerk job that they're giving John Jones makes the fans dislike him even more. I understand he's the cho you know he's the chosen one. He's he's the guy that you want to build your organization around. I respect that. I understand that the guy's on the verge of being the first MMA fighter signed with Nike, allegedly. Yeah. A lot of people talking about him being yeah. the first guy be getting some sort of major sponsorship. You know, GSP has Gatorade and he has, you know, Under Armour. But if John Jones breaks that glass ceiling and becomes a Nike-sponsored athlete, it's going to put MMA on a whole other level. Yeah. Because what they're saying I is think... that Nike will do, you know, Nike will do, uh, you know, a sneaker and, you know, they'll start doing rash guards. And, and, and if Nike gets into that game... It's lights out for a lot yeah. of these smaller companies, and which I feel bad for because a lot of oh, these companies, God. their bread and butter is that. But, you know, as soon as somebody says, hey, I can wear Nike gear. Yeah, I mean, but also, I don't think Nike, I don't think it's going to be like basketball where Nike will basically put anybody in the commercials. No. Nope. Like in MMA, you got to be, you got to be that guy. badass for Nike. Yeah, because even, 
the reason I don't think a lot of like the big major companies have really gotten into MMA is it's a, it's um, such a not reciprocal. Um, it's such a it's a sport that there's so much turnover so quickly a lot that if you put all your 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 hype behind one fighter, they can lose and then you know you're screwed because you're sponsoring a dude that's not winning. Like for instance, Chuck Liddell when the UFC first started getting, you know, a lot of mainstream appeal, Chuck Liddell was the champion, knocking everybody out. And right around the time that they started getting all this mainstream appeal, Rampage comes in and knocks Chuck Liddell out. Then he gets knocked out by, I think the next fight was like, Rashad knocks him out. No, Forrest took, Forrest took the like, belt from Rampage. Yeah. I mean, I'm just talking about with Chuck, though. Oh, okay. Like, um, like Chuck was the poster boy right when they started becoming super-duper mainstream. And then he started getting knocked out all over the place. Like, it's a sport that is so unpredictable that I think it would be hard. I, I doubt Nike really sponsors it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is all fabrication. But if it isn't, it'd be crazy. But I do feel a little bit sorry for the uh, smaller companies. Like, uh, I mean, Tap Out will be fine, but smaller companies like Warrior International or um, uh, not Affliction. Affliction probably would be fine. But some of the smaller companies, I just feel a little bit sorry for them. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be crazy. Now, I'm you know we're not gonna go through the entire fucking card because that that'll take forever. But I wanna I wanna pluck a couple of fights here and there. Of course, I don't understand why Maximo Blanco is fighting on fucking Facebook. But um, what do you think with him and Marcus Brimage? I am actually calling the upset here. Uh, uh, I think that Marcus Brimage will. Outbox Maximo Blanco. Maximo Blanco, fun, fun fighter to watch. Incredibly wild. He tends to get himself in trouble with his, I mean, he he windmills punches, and he just tends to get himself in trouble because he fights so uber-aggressively. Um, and after watching uh, Marcus Grimmage's, Grimmage's uh, last fight when he um, fought on the Ultimate Fighter card, I think if Maximo Blanco, if, if Marcus Grimmage, I'm, I'm just making on maybe he got better. I'm just calling up. Hmm. I just want to see the upset. <laughs> if Maximo, Bl- if Marcus Bremer's got better at wrestling, I think he'd be able to outbox Maximo Blanco. I think he's a better pure boxer than Maximo Blanco. While Maximo Blanco hits really hard, he just he's he's a more aggressive kind of windmill kind of puncher. And Marcus Bremer's, I think, was going to hit him with like some straight combinations. I'm not calling the knockout or anything. I think Marcus Bremer's will probably win by a split decision, win like the first and third round. I am I am heartbroken. You say that, but. I can see it happening only because Blanco's still adjusting to fighting in the UFC. So I definitely can see the upset there. The other fight a lot of people are are saying is a sleeper fight is that Travis Brown, Chad Griggs fight. Griggs coming in from Strike Force. Um I see Travis Brown winning that. I think Travis Brown, especially for a heavyweight his size, I think he's like six ten, six eleven. He's got very good footwork, very good hands. Um I think he'd be able to knock out Chad Grizz. Well, maybe not knock him out, but really put some damage on Chad Grizz. Chad Grizz is a really small heavyweight. Like he could easily be a two hundred five er. And I think, uh, I think, oh wow, I've got his name. I think he'll be able to be outboxed uh, by Travis Brown, and maybe out wrestle. Um, I think Travis Brown will probably beat up Chad Grizz to a decision. Yeah, I think Chad Grizz has been out of the out of the game for a minute. And adjusting to being a heavyweight now in the UFC is a whole other ball game. You're not beating up Bobby Lashley this week. You know, you're fighting a guy who's been fighting in the cage for a minute. So 
Don't don't trip. Yeah. Now on the main card, yeah. obviously most of the fights on the card, not to shit on them, but you know they're not they're not the 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 end all be all fights. I mean, you know, Mark Hominick's fight is a fight I'd watch. Miguel Torres I'd watch. Um, Rory McDonald, I'm surprised they put him up there in a co-main event, but they're you know kissing his ass as the next GSP. So, and you know how that works. But the yeah. big one, the big I, one, go ahead. Okay. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, and I was going to say, and of course, the big one, Jones and Evans, which I actually wanted to touch on first and foremost, only because the fucking hype for this fight is in the fucking toilet now. What fucking <laughs> happened? I watched that press conference, and I'd, I'd rather watch somebody get chemo then watch that fucking press conference. It was complete shit. I sat there watching these two guys pretty much for all intents and purposes blow each other on st- on that stage. I was horrified. I'm like, yo, what the fuck happened? What happened to that beef? What happened to, you know, I'm going to fuck this dude up. Where, where was it? It wasn't there. It was Rashad looking pretty, looking real sad because he's always sad when he does these press conferences. Sad Rashad. You know, give him a fucking tissue. And John Jones is like, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus makes me great. Jesus is awesome. And yeah, I respect Rashad, but I'm going to have to break his face. I'm like, really? That's it? That's how you're building this fight? The thing is, though, like, I don't think the animosity between the two of them was ever as... As deep as they made it. As deep as the UFC wanted it to be. I think Rashad is more upset at Greg Jackson than he is John Jones. I think John Jones is just the conduit to get to Greg Jackson. I don't think, I don't, especially because I watched them on, they were on Sports Center uh, earlier today. Yeah. When you heard them talk about each other, they don't, I don't get the, I definitely don't get the impression that John Jones doesn't like Rashad. Nope. I don't get um, it either. I, don't get, I, I, I never got that impression at all, actually. I think, I think the problem is, John Jones is gassed. He is on himself. But that's because the UFC created that hype machine. I don't think it's disingenuous of him to be, you know, proud of his ability. I think it's good. If I can go in there and fucking suplex you on your head in a pay-per-view in a pay-per-view match, if I can throw a spinning elbow like it's nobody's business and put you to sleep, I am damn right going to be fucking amped that people say I'm the man. But on the flip side, you also got to look at the fact that they're not marketing him as the flag bearer of the company with no reason other than the fact that they're banking on him to whoop Rashad's ass. Dana White won't say well, it. Yeah. Dana White won't say that, but I, you know, that's what he wants because you know, him and Rashad have never been super tight anyway. Yeah, I I I'm not surprised the UFC kind of wants Rashad to, I mean, not Rashad, to John Jones to win. Um, and and personally, I have no problem with him being cocky. I mean, nope. I'm 22 years old. If I, I don't know how we act. If I knew for a fact, I could beat any dude on the planet's ass. Like, just straight up, like, just anyone. Like, I don't know how I react. I'm 22 years old. He's 24. There you I'm go. surprised he's not flipping, flipping out, beating a lot of random people. <laughs> It's just starting shit for no reason. But I don't know. It's just it never came off to me like the 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 beef for this. Though they had some awesome promos. The Hate Me Now promo, one of my favorite UFC. Promos oh, it was amazing. Because I love that song. But uh, like I never got John Jones was afraid of Rashad. Like Rashad says, 
I never got John Jones. Honestly, I never got John Jones even cared. Like when when the whole the whole beast between them, and I'm doing the air quotes, was started because John Jones was asked the question, "Would you ever fight Rashad?" And his response was, "If we, I work for Dana White. If Dana White wanted me to, I, I guess we would have to do it." Where Rashad got, I don't understand how Rashad got that but hurt on that comment. Like it, it wasn't like. John Jones was like, fuck yeah, I'll beat Rashad's ass. Like, he didn't say that. Like, that's how, kind of like how I think Rashad took it. And to me, it's just had Rashad come off as really petty. Yep. And kind of childish. Yep. And <laughs> it, it's just, he comes off as, like, really petty and butthurt. Like, well, oh, no, he said he'd fight me if our boss told him to. Yeah, like, but you know what? Like the, John Jones said, I want to fight him. But you know what? And and we'll do the pick right after this. The fact that the fact remains, MMA is not a team sport. Your coaches don't get in the cage with you. Your training partners don't get in the cage with you. You know, Rashad fucking Evans' mama screaming outside. She don't get in the cage with him. Two grown ass men get in there. They 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 throw leather. One guy goes to sleep. One guy gets a belt, and that's it. So. I don't give a shit if you're my mother, my brother. If they tell me, yo, for this belt and this money, you're going to fight, I'm going in there and beating my mama's ass if I had to fight her for the belt. <laughs> I ain't even playing. It is not even a game. If they said, Rich, you know, your mom is there, she's got the belt, you got to fight her, what do you think? I am pile driving my mother through the fucking mat. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Fuck that. You know, yeah. wherever she at, she it's, she it's understand. It's 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 ridiculous, it's, dude. Not a team no, man. All all these fucking petty ass dudes. Yo, man, I'm not gonna fight him. He's like a brother. Brothers fight too. Get the fuck over it. Man up. Get that yeah. money. I I've never been a huge fan of. I'm not gonna fight him because we're teammates. Like, then don't go to that camp. Like, I just. I mean, Greg Jackson was a great camp. I mean, you, you can't even dispute that. I mean, he. He was a great camp. The amount of champions and stuff he put out, but quite frankly, like it's not, it's it's not. It wasn't a good idea for them to be on the same team together. Yeah, well, Yoda, quote unquote team. Yoda's getting a little comfortable too because he's making these motherfuckers fight safe. I'm telling you, I better see John Jones do a fucking guile flash kick this weekend. That's what I'm saying. I better see, see the thing is, though, like, a sagging the, knee. The, 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 the. <laughs> The Greg Jackson fight safe thing, like, I don't agree with that just because most of the side is, I mean, he had Melvin, I mean, I don't think Melvin Gillard is there anymore, but Melvin Gillard, to his detriment, won't fight safe. Hell Melvin no. Gillard, for some reason, decided to throw flying knees to, on the dude that the only way he could beat him was to take him down. So he decided to throw a bunch of flying knees for no fucking reason. But, like, like I think it depends on the fighter. GSP is going to fight safe regardless. There's nothing, there's nothing. Anyone to tell GSP is going to make after what Matt Sarah did him. GSP is not going to mess around and lose again. He just he's just not. You're going to have to make him fight out of his comfort zone. Yeah, like French... someone like Carlos Condit is not going to fight. I mean, I don't think his last fight was fighting quote unquote safe. It was a good strategy, but I mean, before that, Carlos Condit is called a natural born killer for a reason. Dude this finishes fights. That's what he does, and he's been with Greg Jackson since the beginning. So I don't think if Greg Jackson makes him fight safe, I think it's. On a fighter per fighter basis, I don't think, I don't think he's telling him to fight safe, and I don't think John Jones' style would allow no. him to fight safe. He's a lunatic. Like I said, John Jones is in there to hurt you. He's like the things he was doing to Shogun, 
some of which were illegal, like <laughs> like headbutt choking in the stomach, like rape choking choking, <laughs> like things that you aren't supposed to be able to do, and like he was just doing because the ref wasn't stopping him. Like yep. John Jones, the the person John Jones is outside the cage, he turns into a killer in the cage. Like I, I honestly believe. And this is going to sound kind of fucked up. I honestly believe if there was no ref there in a Leoto Machida fight, Leoto Machida would be dead. Like, John Jones <laughs> would not have let him go until he was dead. Like, it's just, Fair it's, enough. It, it's a switch. There's a switch in John Jones' head, it seems like, that he becomes a totally different person. Oh, and that's, when that case door closes, he literally becomes a completely different, becomes a sociopath and is trying to kill you. So, like, well, I don't think... No, guys. I don't think... Uh, I don't. I just. I just don't think he can make him fight safe. I don't. I just don't think there's any way that John Jones can fight safe. Well, with that said, I am guessing that you are picking Jones as your favorite this weekend. Yeah, but I wouldn't be shocked if Rashad won. Well, let me rephrase that. I would be surprised if Rashad won, but I wouldn't be like, "Oh my goodness, that's impossible." Because while I don't put a lot of merit on the whole we train together thing, because you know I've wrestled and. When you wrestle with a teammate, you're not going full board. Nope. It's not. And it's been, what, like two years since they've actually trained together? John yep. has got, gotten way better since then. So I don't put a whole lot of merit in Rashad. Like, oh, I, I trained with him. And, and also, when Rashad says that, it relies the point that John Jones also trained with him. I mean, they've trained together. So I wouldn't be surprised if Rashad – I wouldn't be super-duper shocked if Rashad won – but he'd have to either throw the best punch of his life, of his 32 years of life, he'd have to probably throw his best punch ever or take take John Jones down over and over and over and over again. And I don't think he'd do either one of those things. I think he's going to be at a distance the whole fight. I think John Jones is going to probably pick him apart, probably take him down, and probably maul him. At, at some point in this fight, it's going to be pretty ugly, I think. It's... It's going to get pretty ugly for Rashad at some point in this fight. And, um, I see John Jones probably winning this by submission probably in the third or fourth round. All right. John Jones' submission in the third or fourth. I am also choosing Jones, but I, but with a little bit more trepidation than you, only because watching him get hit in the last few fights seemed to have definitely rattled his cage a bit. He he did look a little shocked when somebody with power put it to him. I I noticed that too, but it's not. See, I think it's overstated a bit. Like people act like he reacted like Brock Lesnar when he got hit. Like he didn't react like that. I think a lot like in the in Leoto Machida fight when Leoto did catch him, John Jones was like on one foot backpedaling or something like that. He caught him off balance. Uh, the rampage fight, rampage never really touched him. And, I think any point in that fight. <laughs> um, the Ryan Bader fight, for instance, in the Ryan Bader fight, Ryan Bader hit him flush with over overhand right. John Jones didn't really react to that, so I don't know. I don't think his I don't think his chin is suspect. He's never been locked. He doesn't take a lot of damage because he can keep you at a distance. And I think, dude, Leo Machida is a different type of striker than anybody in the division. So if anyone was going to hit him, I knew it was going to probably be Leo. I don't think Rashad Evans is going to be able to do that. I don't think Rashad Evans has that kind of game. Rashad Evans has good boxing, but he, he's not the type of striker that Leoto is where you Leoto jumps in and out. Rashad isn't that type of striker. He's more of a straight-up boxer. And I, I think 
getting inside on John Jones like he would have to would probably get him dumped on his head. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be it's gonna be some crazy shit. But um, last uh, last thing, Overeem going before the commission. What do you think? Testosterone replacement therapy is gonna be his out. I don't understand. <laughs> First of all, okay, how does Overeem need testosterone? This man Seriously. is built like the Black Thor. How does man need like it's like you you know who Todd Duffy is right? Yeah, you know he gets TRT. That man gets to, how do these dudes, it's a license to cheat, basically. Testosterone, getting PRT, and, I, and I'm pretty sure he's probably going to say he's getting TRT. It, it's a joke to me if he if he, he says that. If, 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 he, if he's really getting TRT, they need to look at the whole system of how people get, get the ability to get TRT. Overing does not need TRT. It, this man is ginormous. Two six hundred sixty-five pounds looks like he's made out of granite. I don't need TRT. That's I. I don't understand how these fighters basically are getting a license to cheat. They're they're getting told like, hey, yeah, doctor says you can cheat. Like that's just not. Outside of Dan Henderson, who gets it. I mean, Dan Henderson's damn near fifty. I can see why he needs it. He's getting old, but probably he's like thirty-three. Like. Maybe not even that old. I, I just don't see why he needs CRT. And if he's allowed to fight Junior Santos, I'm a, I'm an overrated fan. But yeah, I like the dude the too. Shortcut but... you had to, the shortcut you had to take to get as big as you are. If he didn't just do that off hard work, I kind of want to. I would prefer someone like Junior Santos as a champion because they need to look at this whole TRT thing because it's becoming it's becoming a real issue when dudes like Chell Sonnen. Overeem, um, Nathan Marquardt, these do Todd Duffy, dudes that clearly aren't lacking for testosterone. Yeah, sure. Are getting this 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 replacement therapy? You're not replacing anything; you're adding it. Like I don't, I just don't get it. Yeah, we're gonna see how that shit pans out next week. That shit's gonna be serious, and then we'll see what moves on from there. Um, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, no. Um, no, that's about it. All right, so, of course, people can follow you on Twitter, at Blackout89. Make sure to check out some of Ben's articles. His Fighter of the Month should be coming up soon. I'm sure one of the guys from this weekend's pay-per-view, maybe Ben's Fighter of the Month. We'll see how that goes. Yep. All right, my dude. Thanks, right. for, thanks for everything. I appreciate it. I will talk to you soon. All right, peace. Peace. All right, guys, like I said, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89. You can also comment on his articles. Let him know what you think, whether you agree, you disagree, you like what he said, you don't like what he said. You guys know the deal. All right, now, let's talk some wrestling because a lot of shit went down this week. I want to talk a little bit about lockdown, nothing too crazy, and Monday Night Raw and some of the other news. So, take it away, Booker. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga!
All right. Wrestling this week, before um, I get into it, I want to just acknowledge something that happened um, earlier on in the show, and I also want to acknowledge some weird Skype issues. Skype disconnected twice while I was on air with Ben. I'm just letting people know so that when they hear the archived episode, if there's some moments where it's silent and then Ben comes back in, it's because the Skype call dropped. I don't know what the fuck, whether it's Skype or Blog Talk Radio. Just figured I'd put that out there. For those of you that are going to listen to the show in archives, don't be freaked out when there's going to be some breaks between that because obviously I had to dial in, blah, blah, blah. You guys know the deal. Now, the other thing, a couple of people uh, took issue with the MMA segment for whatever reason or another, and they're going to remain nameless. But I'm going to say this, and this will be the last time I say it because... It's something that everybody should know after 135 fucking episodes. MTR runs in four segments. I repeat, four. MMA, wrestling, video games, and movies. MMA takes up between half an hour to 45 minutes. If you do not follow the sport, are not interested, come back at 12. Simple as that, or 11.45. No one, I repeat, no one, staff or otherwise, is going to rearrange the fucking show for any listener. Period. Simple as that. I'm not rearranging shit. If you have an issue with it, then tune the fuck out or archive the show. This goes for everyone, listeners and staff. Nobody's going to tell me how to run my goddamn show. I don't give a fuck if it's Jesus Christ himself who comes from the sky and says I'm not an MMA fan. Because I will conveniently tell him to go fuck himself too. You don't like the way the show is done, don't fucking listen. Period. This is bullshit. Every couple of months, somebody comes out of the fucking woodwork with issues. Don't fucking listen. I get a thousand downloads a month. If somebody decides I don't want to listen to it, I'm not going to shed a tear for you. I'd shed more of a tear if a piece of my equipment broke than to lose one fucking listener. You don't want to be a fan? Hit the unlike button. I don't get paid for this shit. So since I don't get paid for it, I don't got to answer to no fucking body. So that's my rant on it. Four segments, they're not changing, we're not rearranging them, we're not doing a fucking thing. You listen to them in the order they are, or you wait for the show to finish, and you fast forward. I'm tired of this shit. Every fucking week, or every couple of weeks, somebody comes out of the woodwork. I'm done. Simple as that. Now let's get into this fucking wrestling, because see, now I'm annoyed. TNA decided to grace us with another one of their signature pay-per-views... Lockdown. Let's let's talk about who the champions were going in. Bobby Roode had your world championship. Austin Aries was still your X Division champion. Samoa Joe and Magnus are your tag team champions. Gail Kim is holding the women's belt. Your women's tag team champions are Eric Young and ODB. I kid you not. And your TNA television champion is Devon. Yes, Devon has a belt. One half of the Dudley Boys, Mr. Testify himself. Yes, he has a belt. Now, 
Right off the bat, we started with the lethal lockdown match with Team Garrett Bischoff. It was Garrett, AJ Styles, Austin Aries, Mr. Anderson, and Rob Van Dam taking on Team Eric Bischoff, which was, of course, Eric Bischoff, Gunner, Bully Ray, Christopher Daniels, and Kazarian. Garrett Bischoff is absolutely fucking worthless. He is shit, and he sucks. He's there because of nepotism and not athletic ability. I don't give a fuck if your sideburns were, were fucking carved out of granite. You are shit. And the fact that they even did this match is an insult to the guys like Austin Aries and Mr. Anderson and Rob Van Dam. These guys that can carry matches and pay-per-views by themselves. Involving themselves in an angle to get over a guy who's there because his dad helps run the company. Excluding Eric Bischoff and fucking Garrett, the match was solid. The ending of the match with the fucking guitar shot was beyond stupid. So, TNA, that was shit. Your TNA tag team title match, Samoa Joe and Magnus took on the Motor City Machine Guns. Very, very, very good match. Samoa Joe continues to reinforce why he is the fucking truth. And the Motor City Machine Guns, even though I met them and they were a little douchey, Continue to emphasize that tag team wrestling does have a place in TNA, and it was it was a fantastic match. A lot of people shit on Magnus, but I think the guy has all the tools. He's a young wrestler. He's coming along. He's getting really good on the mic. If you watch Ring King, the the Indian promotion that TNA is doing, he is he's their champion there, and he's he's just a a great talent and a guy that has a lot to offer. So. This match to me was what I want to consider a coming out party, so to speak. Very well done and enjoyable. On the TV side of things, Devon defended the TV title against Robbie E. And um, I this is really the I'm going to get up and take a shit match. Not because Robbie E. is garbage, because he's actually pretty decent, but because Devon has absolutely no connection whatsoever. Bully Ray succeeded in reinventing himself as a singles competitor, and he's great. He's done a really good job. He's a fantastic heel. Devon, not so much, unfortunately. I, I gotta say it. He really wasn't that good. On the TNA knockout side of thing, Gail Kim defended her belt against Velvet Sky. Uh, very uh, actually passable performance from Velvet Sky. She went from. Bella Twin level wrestling to passable um, Eve Torres level wrestling. Let's put it like that. Not to say that she doesn't have room for improvement because she does, but it was a, a rather competitive match. And I think that if she takes some time and works on her craft, she'll become a, a, a solid female uh, female wrestler. I think that Gail Kim has no legit challengers that are going to test her at this point, which is why she's pretty much holding the belt hostage. But, you know, it, it, it was passable. We get a Ric Flair promo, uh, him and Hogan bullshitting about each other, teasing a Hogan and Flair match, which, you know, 10, 15 years ago would have been awesome, and I probably would have been excited for it. Now it's pretty much the equivalent of a fight at a senior center over who got the last role. Seriously, Hulk Hogan with his, with his bionic back, Ric Flair three steps away from a stroke, had, does not have a four-star classic written all over it. Promos, yes. Wrestling, shit. Next, we had the Crimson-Matt Morgan feud continuing to move along. 
I I felt that this match kind of chugged along for a few reasons. Matt Morgan has developed into a great competitor. He just, something's missing. I don't know if it's a breakthrough match or a better gimmick, but him and Crimson are the guys that are built as the future of this business, but for some reason just don't connect with the crowd. I mean, Crimson has the cool music and he has a cool look to him, but his wrestling is very vanilla. It's not to say that it's typical big man offense, but it's not on the level that you would expect for a guy who is being groomed as being undefeated. I don't know. It just didn't feel natural. The The match was a bit of a clusterfuck. I think it was a rehash of Morgan's angle with Hernandez, which we all know how fucking eventful and exciting that was. So the match was pretty much the same way. Moving on, Hardy and Angle was a, a very awesome match, only because Jeff Hardy, as usual, delivered an awesome spot. Kurt Angle's knee was held together with Elmer's glue, of course, from the injuries that removed him from the Olympics. And um, it was it was just a, a decent spot fest. These two guys work really well together. I think that Angle still has a lot to offer the wrestling business. I just think that he needs to really figure out what he's doing. I'm tired of every week his Twitter, oh, I'm going to do MMA. Oh, I'm going to do the Olympics. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do that. Dude, if you're the best at what you do, stick to it. If it's wrestling, it's wrestling. Heal up your injuries. Run another good program in TNA. And frankly, if I'd like to see Kurt Angle finish his career in the WWE. I think that WWE's level of talent right now would do really well with matches against Angle. Uh, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Chris Jericho. Guys that are wrestling wrestlers. Not, not superstars, but legit wrestling wrestlers would benefit from a stable hand like Kurt Angle in the WWE. Will it happen? Who knows, but it's wishful thinking on my part. Next up, we had your TNA Knockout Tag Team title match, ODB and Eric Young taking on Sarita and Rosita. It was a little comedy match. You know, it's your I'm going to go to the concessions match. It was exactly what it was. And last but not least, your TNA World Title match, huge buildup, Robert Roode, James Storm, former tag team champions meeting finally, for the belt, I think um, it was it was good. I think that Rude and Storm have developed tremendously as singles competitors, and they, they have a lot of great matches in them. You can create a solid rivalry. I think that the thing that's not helping it is the fact that there's so many layovers between these guys finally meeting. Like before, Rude faced Storm; he had to fight Sting. At the last pay-per-view, it just it just didn't really help the situation, leaving Storm kind of hanging out there in the wind. I know he was injured, and that was a factor, but it was something that just, it could have been a lot better than it was. It was an enjoyable match. There was a lot of heat. There was blood. It was There was brutality, and I think that while the pay-per-view had a, a, a decent number of low points, you really got to see a lot of the younger talent shine on uh, on this particular pay-per-view rude and storm did, did really well like i said hardy and angle delivered a, a really solid match um the tag team division always stellar and the lethal lockdown match excluding bischoff and and his son 
was had really good people in there. I think Austin Aries is a guy you want to start building as more than just an X Division guy. I think he has the tools to be a world champion, as does Christopher Daniels. If anybody in that roster deserves a world title run at this point, it's Christopher Daniels. He has the mic work. He has the wrestling ability to take the company to the next level. And, of course, there's always those instant feuds you could do with Samoa Joe, with AJ, with Kazarian, and a ton of other guys. Daniels would be, in my opinion, the the next guy that would make a worthy challenger for that belt. Again, purely my opinion, it is what it is. Let's get into Raw because a couple of things went down this week that I want to address. My generation will take the fall, the saints... Now, on the Raw side of things, Raw was in the UK this week, which meant that pretty much the spoilers gave everything away. So you really had a uh, an option to watch Raw or not based on the outcome of the spoilers. I will say that the opening no-DQ match with CM Punk and Mark Henry was uh, a very good match. Once again, continuing to reinforce what I said, Mark Henry, when put in there with good guys, delivers awesome matches. The spot with the... Elbow drop off the top rope with the chair was a great emphatic exclamation point for CM Punk to win that match. Considering that he wasn't going to beat Henry any other way, it wasn't like he was going to tap out to the Anaconda Vice or be a victim of the GTS. I think it was a great way to do it. It showed the levels that Punk would go to retain his belt. And, of course, the reinforcement of his feud with Jericho continues. And it, of course, builds the Chicago street fight for Extreme Rules. Our second match, Santino, David Otunga, Santino retains. It's David Otunga's just fucking garbage in the ring with his London Fog raincoat. Not impressed with it whatsoever. But again, this is angle advancement at its finest. Santino retains. Easy peasy. Next, we get the taped Brock Lesnar interview, uh, which had a little bit of a shoot vibe to it. I, I think Brock Lesnar, in a controlled environment, such as doing a pre-tape promo, delivers better lines than doing live promos on air. I think it was very good in conveying the fact that he's there to get money and be the face of that company. He doesn't give a fuck about professional wrestling. He's there to handle his business and get paid. That's what I felt that the promo reinforced. And it had shades of the promo he cut when he won his match in the UFC shitting on the sponsors similar vibe just not to that extreme level but definitely saying that he's there to be the face of the company and that John Cena is is pretty much a bitch and can carry his bags next up squash match Zack Ryder and Kane I, words can't even describe how bullshit this was um I'm saddened with what they've done to Daniel Bryan. I mean, to Daniel Bryan, to Zack Ryder. It was a a guy who's done so much work to build himself up as as his own superstar. No WWE help. Nobody writing his shit. Just YouTube, a flip cam, and, and, and the motivation to be the best at what he could be, even when he was on the verge of possibly getting the can. 
I, I really like what Ryder did, and it's it's really a travesty to see what they've done to him going forward. I, I was just saddened with this match. Uh, Daniel Bryan proceeded to deliver an awesome promo. I really enjoyed his his yes interaction with Kofi Kingston. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Uh, John Cena, little backstage shit, and well, uh, promo shit and some backstage shit complaining about Brock. Blah blah blah. Match at Extreme Rules. You guys know the deal. Kofi Kingston, Daniel Bryan, awesome match. Daniel Bryan with the yes lock. Now, instead of the LaBelle lock, segue for the renaming of that move was great, including Daniel Bryan just being a complete belligerent fuck. It was fantastic. Kofi Kingston, as usual, needs that breakout match. He has the tools. He has the look. He just needs the match. Next up, shockingly, Brodus Clay, Dolph Ziggler, um, ended by DQ, tired of Dolph Ziggler being made to look like a bitch. I think this guy has... Tremendous potential, I say it every week, and this angle with Clay is just not working. If anything, it should be Swagger feuding with Clay and Ziggler taking care of some other shit. But you know what, that wasn't the only shitty thing of the night. Let's let's talk about the great Kali and the big show taking on the Goya brothers. Once again, garbage match. Way to just job out your tag team champions. This is why they get buried, because of shit like that. And, of course, our last match of the evening, John Cena took on Albert, a.k.a. Prince Albert, a.k.a. A-Train, a.k.a. Lord Tensai. And we got to see it all. Fujiwara armbar. We got to see Green Mist to the face. It, it, Baldo Bomb. It's like, let's take all these little stereotypes that other uh, Asian wrestlers do and just let's give them all to him. You know, the Green Mist in John Cena's face. And the worst part was John Cena's cell just seemed so awkward. He was in the corner. You can hear the camera by his mouth. And he's just like, I need water. It didn't come off as like, holy shit, I can be fucking blind right now. Help me. No, it was like, water. Oh, my God. It just seemed very casual. The acting seemed a little off. And the match just had no chemistry. I think that for as much credit as people give... A-Train when he was in Japan, which I've seen his work. I think he, he does great work in, 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 in his matches in Japan. But it's also because that strong style is the norm. For some reason, it just doesn't mesh well in the WWE yet. I think he needs that one feud that will allow him to use that Japanese strong style to its fullest. Unfortunately, that match was not it. Now, let's move into some of the other wrestling news for this week. Just wanted to run through a couple of things. WWE's releasing uh, some pretty decent DVDs and Blu-rays you want you might want to pick up. May 8th is WrestleMania 28. Of course, you'll pick that up on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, Best of WCW Clash of the Champions, May 22nd. The biggest matches in ECW history, that's June 5th. Hopefully we get Sabu um, and Taz and their feud. Those were some great matches. Over the Limit, June 19th. The Best of False Count Anywhere matches. The re-release of No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan. Yes, I kid you not. And they're going to start releasing a budget superstar collection July 10th with Zack Ryder and also one for John Cena. It's going to be part of their like budget line of $10 DVDs. July 17th, you got No Way Out. And July 24th is going to be a documentary on The Undertaker's undefeated WrestleMania run. So there you have it. A couple of DVDs you can look forward to picking up in the coming months. 
Scott Steiner, as usual, took to Twitter to shit on Hulk Hogan and Garrett Bischoff, as usual, um, including the fact that the only way Garrett Bischoff gets cheered is by sending Jeff Hardy or AJ Styles or RVD or Mr. Anderson out with him. Um, I kind of agree with that, but, you know, Steiner's been very vocal on shitting on the company. It's been very enjoyable, and as crazy as Steiner may be and as insane as you may think he is, I think he made a lot of valid points, and he's very disheartened with the product and wants TNA to succeed. Some people may call it bitter. Other others may just call it disingenuous, but a spade's a spade. And some of the stuff he is citing is rather true. WWE.com confirmed that WrestleMania did indeed do 1.3 million pay-per-view buys with a global gross of $67 million, including the live event itself. So, Obviously, this means that The Rock is a hot commodity. A lot of people got paid, and now it's a matter of topping the gate for WrestleMania 28 with WrestleMania 29 here in New York City and in New Jersey as well. We'll see if they're able to do that. Brock Lesnar may be involved, obviously, in a title match with The Rock. That's a very strong rumor at this point. We'll see if they can blow the roof off in Jersey and break 1.3 million buys. It's going to be a very interesting few months to see. Tracy Brooks confirmed that she is no longer with TNA. Peace the fuck out. Sucks because, you know, she she's a decent women's wrestler, but the giant inflatable boobs that she has just, just look borderline ridiculous. And the consistent emphasis on them is shades of WCW in the 90s and old Godfather angles. So maybe not the best fit for her. I think she could have done better just getting over on her wrestling, but... You know, the boobs were the selling point, and like anything else, they had nothing for her. That's going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. I'm just going to go right into the gaming segment because there's not that much stuff in gaming this week, plus there's a lot of movie stuff to discuss, so let's hop to it. Yeah, I had to take it back with some Galaga this week. Let's uh, start things off talking about Shigeru Miyamoto, who recently did an interview with Edge, the magazine, discussing the intention on possibly expanding The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. During the interview, he said that he's interested in creating something new, maybe based on or starting from A Link to the Past. He did confirm that he's working on a Wii U title, but that he wouldn't mind handing the reins off to a to another director to work on this project. His statement reads as follows. To be very honest and open, it really depends on the directors that have time at the moment as well. Some directors, I could give them the title, and I know they'll do something great with it. Other directors, I'm not so 100% confident in, so they're the ones I'd rather take a more remake approach to the title. It really depends on that as well. I, I mean, A Link to the Past was an enjoyable game, and... I'd rather see something expand on the story than another remake because, once again, it just comes off as a cash grab by Nintendo. But we'll see. I mean, Miyamoto definitely wants to do something. I I think anything that's done with Zelda at this point is going to be successful. And you're going to need a first-party title for the Wii U. So I'd like to see something done with the Zelda IP. Maybe something new, not necessarily a remake. Again, personal preference. 
EA announced earlier this week that they will be releasing Crisis 3 on the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and PC in spring of 2013. So be on the lookout for that, Crisis fans. 2013, spring, PS3, 360, and PC. I've just been informed that Slick is on the line. Let me bring him in briefly. Slick, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? What's going on? I know you probably have something to add regarding a link to the past. Um, more so about cash grabs. All right, let's hear it. I mean, we we kind of knew it was coming out, but now today with the release of the the um God of War Ascension trailer, I'm kind of excited to see what they're going to do. Especially, you know, since there's a possibility this might be. Kratos before he was cursed with the ashes of his family. But it's like, we already have like two games that were sort of prequels to God of War. And, you know, we have five overall games already. It just feels like, you know, they just want to squeeze blood from a stone at this point. Well, I think what happened was, and in referencing God of War, and I'm and I'm kind of glad you brought it up. I think Sony backed themselves into a corner with the ending of God of War Three. You know, he killed everybody, and that was it. And it's it's interesting in the sense that trilogy, if they put so much emphasis and energy into this trilogy, with God of War Three being something beyond compare. I mean, graphically and storyline wise. They, they really should have just left it alone. The problem is that when you create a character like Kratos that's, that has such great design, an awesome look, ultra-violent, you want to see more done with him. And the problem was they painted themselves into a corner, and they realized, fuck, we put the PSP stuff out also, so we can't even touch that. Sure, I, I mean, them going the initial route and possibly talking about him before he became the Ghost of Sparta... Um, you know, it works, but again, it's like, what are you going to do? Who are you going to kill that hasn't been killed already? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and it, it's, I, I, this is going to be crazy, but I had a really insane idea. I figured that fast forward to the present and people start worshiping different gods and for some reason, the Greek gods get reincarnated in the present as immortals. And you bring Kratos into the present. Why not? I mean, why not? I, I can agree with that, especially since they're already going to make a game. But Like Assassin's Creed, Creed, you know? Do something different. Definitely yes. do something different because going backwards, it's, I really just feel like while this game could very easily be fantastic, I'm not saying anything like that. It's like, at this point, it's like triple dipping. It is triple dipping, but the thing that gets me is that, like I said, you can tell some stories. You can The, the, the beauty of Greek mythology is exactly that, that you can tell some really great stories, but by by basically killing Hercules, killing the gods, killing the Titans, you can't do shit else. You killed Zeus. For all intents and purposes, his mission was finished. 
Now, going back and and telling the the story leading up to him becoming Ghost of Sparta again, it's it almost feels like they're like they're kind of grasping at straws at this point. There's so much potential in the story, just doing something different. Maybe you know, maybe maybe he gets pulled through through a you know a, a portal and ends up challenging different gods from a different from a, from a different mythology maybe maybe he's just the god of war of that dimension you get what i'm saying yeah but uh, i was going to say he's the god of war but he's the god of war of greek gods he's exactly. not the only god of war bingo and you can you can do something with that you know maybe maybe you know god of war war of the gods and he he finds out that you know the Greek gods weren't the only ones conspiring against him, given that he was growing so powerful. You know, you can do you can do stuff with with the Asian gods. You can do like Kali. You can do some crazy shit. But I, you, it would help evolve the story a bit and make Kratos something more than just a character of Greek mythology, but just make him a hero that can be looked upon in various ages. As the god of war, maybe he realizes that the only way he can reclaim peace is by going through and killing other gods of war, like the one. You know. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the beauty of Greek mythology. Another one of the beauties of Greek mythology is, as we've seen in in God of War, nobody really dies except some of the good people. Pretty much. You think about it in God of War one. Kratos got a giant freaking spear through like sixty percent of his body. Yep, died and went to hell and literally clawed his way out of hell. That's right. I think I think the concept so, works. I just like I said, I'm just concerned with the fact that they're gonna try and rewrite history for the sake of giving people more Kratos instead of just sitting down and and hashing out something more original. I'm sure graphically it's going to be beautiful, as usual, but I just feel that from a substance standpoint, it's it's definitely lacking at, at this moment. I mean, who knows? They may blow us away with some crazy story, but... And the only, only possible problem I see with the concept of fighting other... other um, gods of other, um, you know, nationalities and stuff. Did you know that every, today everybody's so fucking sensitive? Oh, yeah, they'll get mad. They will get mad. But you know what? It's a fucking game. People bitched about him having sex in the games. Oh, well, they're rated M for mature. Watch your fucking kids. Simple as that. You know, you can't... It, the, the, the premise of the story is God of War. You know, the same could be said for Asura's Wrath. You know, there was there was religious undertones in that as well. You can complain about Assassin's Creed and the Templar Knights and, you know, how, how Christianity is being presented. You, you can shit on all that and complain, but at the end of the day, it's just a game. Basically. Um, while I do have you on, I did want to break the unfortunate news to you that Darksiders 2 has been delayed. From June 26th, it won't hit shelves now until August. Hey, as long as the game doesn't suck, I don't care. There you go. 
And the other thing, I figure you'd find humor in this. Uh, Little Big Planet Karting will be coming out on the on the PS3 and PSP Vita and the Vita. But if you pre-order from GameStop or Amazon, you'll get a DLC code to get a Kevin Butler Sackboy with a drivable executive golf cart. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I figured you'd find humor in that. Yes, I do. It's awful and great at the same time. There you go. Anything else to add, my friend? Um, I saw something about Sagawa uh, Gamer was, but it seems that people are starting to follow the, the prototype 2 trend of giving, you know, decent-sized bonuses for pre-ordering. Yep. But the the game that I saw was only for was only from GameStop. It wasn't from any retailer. And I completely forgot which game it was. It was like 20 bucks worth of downloadable content or some shit like that. Wow. And other than that, I'm just waiting for Tuesday to get in, you know, to get into Prototype 2. Yeah, I, th- I think Prototype 2, uh, Mr. Heller is going to do a lot of damage, and he he may make some serious money. I think, they, I think they're doing the, the promotion right. Like, they played the commercial. I didn't even realize it because I wasn't looking. But they played the commercial like three times during Raw, and that's like the perfect crowd to sell it to. Yep. So I can definitely see the game is coming off well. The first game did well, obviously, because they made a second one. So I, I'm hoping that the second one does well because I'd, like, I'd actually like to see a third because regardless of who wins this fight, there's still the issue of the baby, which I'm sure is not a baby anymore. Nope. Yeah, I was and curious to see how they, how, they, how they tie that together. I want them to tie that together, and right now they're not doing that, so that's why I'm hoping there's a prototype three. Well. We shall see how that unfolds next week. I'm sure you will plow through it rather quickly. Yeah, I'm hoping to get that review out pretty quick as well. There you go. All right, my dude. You're good? That's all I got for right now. All right, cool. Let me bang out the rest of these game news, and we'll tie everything up with the movie news. All right, man. All right, peace. All right. Let's uh, wrap up the game segment. A couple of other things I wanted to discuss. Those of you that are interested in Dragon's Dogma, you will be able to play the demo next week on PSN and Xbox Live. So be on the lookout for that. April 24th in North America, April 25th in the UK. So you'll be. the cool thing is that they're doing, which I'm surprised that a lot of games aren't doing, is that the demo is going to let you transfer your character and your pawn from the demo into the full game. So it's definitely a a solid concept to get behind. Keep a lookout, be on the lookout for that demo next week. Maybe I will try and capture some video, share my thoughts on it, and we'll see how it pans out. If November wasn't crowded enough with, with tons of other games coming out, Halo 4 joins the fray with a release date announced of November 6th. So... As of right now, November 6th is the target date for Halo 4 and Microsoft to make a shitload of money. So, there you have it. Mark it on your calendar. Halo 4, November 6th, just in time for Election Day. Last but not least, Kingdoms of Amalur, The Reckoning. Uh, The game sold over 410,000 copies. March alone, the game moved 80,000 units. 
Uh, MPD spokesman Dave Riley said that it's an impressive figure for just two months. And that since Reckoning is a new IP, you can expect to see more from the series in years to come. I'm actually very happy for it. It's it's a new IP, uh, solid team behind it. Uh, Quark is a huge fan of the game. And it's it's nice to see, like I said, a new IP come in and do some damage. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if they expand on it. I'm still trying to finalize that interview with Todd McFarlane. Once that's done, uh, we can... uh, hopefully discuss Kingdoms of Amalur, but we shall see. That's going to wrap up the gaming segment for this week. We're going to get right into entertainment. Let's hop to it. Figure we throw a little Game of Thrones out there since it's been doing really well this season and the books are badass. If you haven't read them, I recommend you do. First off, a lot of rumors running around that Jason Statham was going to be joining the Fast and Furious sequels. Turns out that, unfortunately, he will not be joining the series due to uh, not being able to come to terms with the studio. It's unfortunate. I think uh, Jason Statham would have made a great addition to the film. He would have done really well, especially with the success of the Transporter series. Honestly, I would have liked to have seen the Transporters' Frank Martin be somehow connected to Fast and Furious. I think it would have been great to just integrate that character in there just because the character works. But who knows? Maybe they'll go back to the table and we may still get the opportunity to see him. We shall see how that pans out. Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg are going to be getting together in a new movie called Three Mississippi. Uh, Basically, the premise is going to be that it's two families that feud over an annual Thanksgiving touch football game that has happened for the last 50 years. Obviously, Will Ferrell is playing one head of the family and Mark Wahlberg is playing the other. Uh, These guys got great chemistry. Last time they were together in the other guys, I actually enjoyed the way they worked together. So I think that doing something as physical as as football would be very amusing. Plus anything with Will Ferrell screaming like a lunatic is always good. On the box office front, the hunger games continued to whoop ass $21.5 million, bringing it to a grand total of $337 million. The three stooges came in at number two, 17.1. I don't understand that movie is shit. Cabin in the Woods, which a lot of people are telling me is surprisingly good, came in at $14.9 million for the third spot. Hopefully I will be seeing The Hunger Games, taking the wife to see it this weekend. She will have a review, and hopefully I can get to see Cabin in the Woods maybe next week. Titanic 3D took the fourth spot. American Reunion came in fifth. Mirror Mirror came in sixth. Wrath of the Titans took number seven. 21 Jump Street took eight. Lookout took nine, and Dr. Seuss's The Lorax took number ten spot. Next up, obviously we got movies about Noah, we got movies about Abraham Lincoln slaying vampires. It was only a matter of time before we got to see a George Washington movie. I kid you not. Darren Aronofsky is producing and directing a George Washington biopic. Variety is reporting that Paramount is in talks to acquire the story called The General. 
Aronofsky is very eager to make the film, and he may be doing it shortly after he finishes Noah. We'll see what the deal is with that. Um, the General was written by Adam Cooper and Bill, Co- uh, Bill College, who did Tower Heist, which doesn't give me any hope whatsoever. But sources are telling Variety that the film is more of an Unforgiven-like tale rather than a sta- uh, straight historical drama, which would be very interesting to see. I think uh, George Washington hasn't been given the big screen treatment, really. So I'm curious to see what Darren Aronofsky does. Really, really interested, as a matter of fact. So I will keep you guys up to speed if I hear more. And the last bit of movie news to close things out. James Cameron recently spoke with MTV News and confirmed that he still wants to do a movie based on the manga Battle Angel Alita. Uh, Right now, he's considering starting that project after he finishes the two Avatar sequels. He said that it's a coin toss at the moment between Battle Angel and Avatar, but since his commitment to the sequels will stretch out over the next five years, he may be willing to give up the, the adaptation of Battle Angel to a new director. He said it would have to be pried out of my cold, dead hands. But on the other hand, I don't want to take it to my grave either. We want to see it at some point. I think one of the things about James Cameron, people give him a lot of shit. I think that he's done something that very few filmmakers do nowadays, and that's helped move the art of filmmaking forward. I think that while, yes, he did herald the 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 rebirth of 3D, I think that the 3D that I've seen that's been done correctly doesn't detract from the film, uh, films like Immortals, uh, films like Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Those are all films that have done great use of 3D. Even Avatar itself, it wasn't the jump-in-your-face 3D, uh, to quote Josh, when he broke it down. It was more based on perception, which is good. I think that using a perception model for 3D and doing it right works. I mean, the Disney 3D films are also good based on that. It's not a kind of jump-in-your-face deal. Even when we went to see Wrath of the Titans, the 3D felt like it was fine. It it definitely feels unnecessary from the standpoint that it really pads box office numbers, and it's something that kind of feels forced. But if used in special instances, like I said, Transformers Dark of the Moon, maybe the Avengers, things like that where 3D works, not shit like Green Lantern where the 3D was bullshit, but films that can benefit from the 3D treatment I'm not going to go out of my way to shit on them, but I also want to continue to acknowledge the fact that the blockbusters are making a lot of money based on the padding that 3D is giving them. When you look at a film like The Dark Knight that made tremendous amounts of money, it did not need 3D to be successful. And to some degree, I feel that Hollywood is using that as kind of a foundation to pad their pockets. It's unfortunate, but... On the same token, Holly, it's a business, so I can see where they're going. James Cameron, two Avatar movies, he's going to be tied up for five years, so this Battle Angel concept, I think he would have done a good job with it. He's a, he's a, he's a visionary director. I would have liked to have seen James Cameron tackle Akira, honestly, but I mean an Akira that wasn't whitewashed. I mean a legit Akira that was relevant to the source material. I would have liked to have seen that vision brought to life, but unfortunately, we got two more Fern Gullies, a.k.a. Avatars 2 and 3 to do, and I'm sure that's going to make him a fuckload of money as well. Well, ladies and gents, that's going to wrap up this week's show. 
You've just heard My Take Radio episode 136 for Thursday, April 19th, 2012. If you have any questions or concerns or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. As always, our feedback line is available, 347-815-0687, 347-815-0MTR. If you don't want your messages played on air, please make sure to specify that at the beginning of your message. You can follow us on various social media networks. You can look for My Take Radio on Twitter, MySpace, become a fan on Facebook, ask us questions on Formspring, add us to your circle on Google+. And of course, if you're on Pinterest, look for our boards there as well. Lots of cool stuff is being posted, uh, personal stuff from me, but also stuff relating to the show as well. If you want to support the show, please make sure to check out our Amazon affiliate store. You can do all your shopping there for all the stuff we talk about on air, including games, movies, uh, various bits of tech and, and gear. And not only that, you do all the shopping straight through Amazon. It just helps out MTR. So if you're a, an Amazon junkie, help us out. Go through the Amazon affiliate store. Uh, proceeds from that are generated from that can, are put right back into the broadcast. They're put right back into the product to give you guys the best experience we can provide. So again, the Amazon affiliate store, the tab is on our website, of course, mytakeradio.com. So check that out as well. If you want to buy the app, you can go to the Amazon marketplace or you can look for it on iTunes. It's $1.99, cheaper than a Happy Meal, cheaper than a Starbucks coffee, and like I said, 96K stereo, exclusive programming, and we throw some mobile wallpapers in there on occasion as well. If you're a cheap ass, you can always get My Take Radio through Block Talk Radio's really crappy feed. You can also live stream it through Stitcher, Mixler, you can download the podcast form from iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, and any of the other podcatchers that are out there, including Blueberry and Miro as well. I will catch you guys next week. And taking us out, I figured we'll do a little bit of this. And a little Streets of Rage 2 to wrap things up. I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.